0: Hey, what's up family? Welcome back to Myth Versus Reality, an educational podcast with Hamish Brewer and Andy Jax. Join us as we have fun deciding what are the myths and realities in education today. We're super excited to bring you a fresh and innovative look at some of the hot topics educators and school leaders are facing right now. So sit back this week, enjoy the show, and let us know what you think. Give us a shout. But first of all, two quick shout outs. Dan Wolf, Dan Wolf drops his answers every week. Five weeks in a row, baby, congrats. Also, shout out to Jilly Literacy, who have been giving us a bunch
1: of shout outs. We appreciate you.
0: What's on the big board for our listeners this week, Andy?
1: That's right, and just like with those shout outs, we're listening to your advice and what you're thinking and what you're talking about out there, because we want to make this meaningful and relevant to you, like these topics right here. So first one, programs can fix people, myth or reality. Goals should be chosen by the individual. Kids are turning the corner with behaviors. All students deserve daily time to play. All those we're going to discuss myth or reality, and there's two fun topics at the end. Again, these are flat; these are great, They're great topics at the end. So here we go. What do you
0: think? Yeah, let's go. Let's jump right in. Uh, first topic this week: Myth or reality? Programs can fix all our problems. Look, Andy, uh, we're in that time of the year, right? We're over the honeymoon. The year has started. We're in motion. Uh, we're trying to figure out where our staffing's at, what programs we're using, how instruction looks, all that kind of thing. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, a myth. I think programs are there to enrich, to support, but not to replace. Way too often right now, we're looking for uh, a simple replacement, uh, stick, fix, go and through a program, and I don't think that's the answer, man. I don't think you can get away from great, authentic instruction, tier one instruction. I think we've got to be really careful that we're trying to answer some solutions to our challenges coming back from COVID with programs. Now, there's a place, like I said, for enrichment, for enhancement, to, to aid, but you can't replace an amazing teacher in the classroom bringing it with tier one instruction, and I've seen so much of that good stuff happening. And, you know, uh, we're running into to lots of things like there's a lot of federal funding out there right now and so there's lots of people out there that think that they've got great solutions to some of these uh challenges out there and we've got to be really careful who we're bringing into our buildings which programs we're using does it fit does it fit our kids does it fit our school does it fit our community and truly are these things solutions for the for the issue so we've got to make sure we're targeted we know what we're chasing you know you just don't throw a program out there and don't know what you're chasing right know what that goal is know what that
1: target is right Yeah, at the end of the day, it's people over programs. We've always said that, but the reality is this. I'm gonna say programs can fix problems is a myth. I agree with you on this one. There's a couple caveats I have. One, it has to always be about the people. Make sure you take care of the people, make sure the people are inspired, make sure that they're focused and that's my caveat is programs can sometimes help keep priorities in place because sometimes we have people that go a million different directions and a million different priorities and programs can be intentional with focus and focus is a problem sometimes in education so on that end i think programs can help problems but they can't fix the problems the only people that can fix problems are who you, me, people involved, right? Teachers involved. Like you've always said, you know, at the end of the day, help's not coming. You know, we gotta fix these things ourselves. And it's the people in the room that are gonna do the work. The teachers in the classroom, the principals in the building are gonna fix these things. And so we have to be careful that we don't just adopt things just because. And, and we have to really be careful because programs are based typically on a specific problem that someone else has. And someone else is gonna say that this is your program, you should do it. And you may or may not be invested in doing that anyway. So yeah, I think this one's definitely a myth.
0: Yeah, Eddie, I couldn't agree. I think you've made some great points. I've really had success with programs when I've made it about enriching, enhancing and supporting, not replacing. Again, man, shout out right to our teachers. Our teachers are uh, we're our number one resource in our building next to our students. That's who we have to enrich. That's who we have to support. That's who we have to
1: lift up. And uh, I think we're done there, Andy. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think the one thing about this is because you're going to see a lot of this now. And we, po- we picked this topic from the beginning to think about it because, There is pressure and with pressure comes programs. And pressure, where do you, where do you, uh, how do you deal with pressure as as maybe a leadership question? So let's slow down just for a second there. When people feel pressure, they typically go two different directions. Either they pull in the people around them and they problem solve solve together or- they, yeah, they get nervous and they, they don't up. trust people and they clam up and they put programs in place to micromanage things. And again, it, we're not saying you should never do programs. You should never have priorities and, and things. i not saying that, it. but you have to trust the people involved to do the work and pull people together to develop those programs together. So you have some, some buy-in with those things.
0: And I'm going to throw a rabbit hole at you just before we get out of this topic. But, you know, I always wondered if as, as teaching has changed over time And the instructional practices have changed over time. Have programs replaced some of the great instructional practices that have been out there that maybe we don't do anymore because we think Mm. there's a programmatic solution? But that could be a rabbit hole right there.
1: That's right. All right, good timing. All right, here we go. Next topic. Topic two, myth of reality. Goals should be chosen by the individual. Now, this is a good Uh, segue from the last one about programs, there is a focus right now on having very clear strategic plans and goals with teachers and administrators and schools and school divisions. A lot of times it comes from the top from the superintendent, we're trying to make certain things happen. Again, just like we talked about last time, there's a lot of pressure to address learning loss, which then causes a lot of times just reality is is very clear goals. So there's different ways to do this, there is, you know, somewhat reality of whatever you monitor gets done. Uh, And ultimately you do want alignment in your building with individual and school goals. But should goals, I'm gonna throw this back to you, ma'am. Should goals be chosen by the individual? Is that myth or reality? Andy, 100% reality,
0: bro. I'm a big proponent of the individual, the person being evaluated, the person looking to grow. Um, looking to set some goals. I 100% believe that there is a place and we should have some goals that are aligned to the mission, vision of our school divisions, our communities, just like that. But I'm going to really focus on the individual. I think sometimes evaluative processes can really get in the way of reflective practices and true growth for an individual let's say the educator right like sometimes an educator won't truly reflect on their practices if they don't own any of it if they're not choosing the goals if they haven't helped make the goals they're just turning up crossing t's dotting i's and trying to get in and get out as quick as they can whereas i believe there's an opportunity there for a really true a, a real a real conversation when you can say hey tell me a couple of things that you would like to grow in let's let's talk about that how can we grow how can we How can we help you be better in your classroom, better at your job, better at the work that you do each and every day? And then you start advocating and amplifying the voice of the person that you're working with. And then also, um, you can start getting into passion projects, right? You start finding out what excites an educator, an employee in your building to go off and and really charge into something to really take risks, right? No one's going to take risks if they're feeling like they're under pressure to get a certain result based on a goal that they don't feel like is A attainable. I'm all about a stretch goal, but if they don't feel attached to it, they don't feel part of it, like I said at the beginning, then it doesn't matter what goals you put down sometimes, right? But I think there should be definitely alignment with what
1: you're trying to achieve for your school. And that can be different from school to school, but that's knowing your target. Well yeah, and the alignment is key. I think that collaborating on goals is different than pushing goals on people. I fully believe that we should collaborate with the leadership in the building, and you know the teachers, and the, all of us from the from the superintendent down. We should collaborate on the goals that we have, so that the collaboration itself can create alignment. But I totally agree with you. I think this is also a, a reality. Goals should be chosen by the individual because the most important thing is is an, is an engaged and inspired educator. Because when people are engaged and inspired, they're growing, and they're they're. Um, working and they're excited and they're moving forward. And that's, what's going to help people grow and be better for kids. If you, if you, if you make them stagnant because they don't care about what's in front of them, that's, you know, it doesn't matter if the goal is the best thing since sliced bread, if they don't care about it, it doesn't matter. And so well, they have no voice, they have no voice. Yep. Right. And now more than ever, you hear that the autonomy, the voice, the choice with educators, we've gone so much into micromanagement of teachers that that to me, it creates a, a trust factor, right? They feel like we don't trust them to do their job and that they can't even think for themselves and become robotics. And you know, what that ha- the problem with that is they, you know, what they say, fine, I'll be a robot. Fine. I'm going to do the bare minimum. I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do and nothing more, nothing less. And that's not where we want people to be. You know, we want teachers that do their thing. And, and to mean, honestly, risk. dude, no, and honestly, the best teachers I've seen they 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 do their thing <laughs> you know they right. want to do what they want to do they're very independent people and that's ultimately what our goal should be that they go we we don't want to be the hurdle or the barrier that gets in the way of great
0: instruction or great great activity in front of our students and our our communities all right folks topic number three myth or reality andy Kids are turning the corner with behaviors. Look, man, uh, we've discussed this at length over the last few weeks that kids came back different. Teachers came back different. Parents, you know, everybody's come back just a little bit different. And, you know, I was worried that this might go on for an entire year, that uh, we may struggle through the entire year. But this past week, man, I really felt like things are starting to click. Kids are starting to get back in the routine, get back in the swing, get back into the structures of what we do at school. I don't know about you, but I'm going to go over reality and I'll jump back in in a minute. But I think we're turning a corner.
1: Yeah, I think I think we are, too. I think that um, the reality is that we are all getting back into a routine. I think we can't forget the fact that for so many schools, I know, depending where you live in the country and all that around the world, frankly, you may or may not have been in school full time last year. But now it's going to take a lot for us to get back into full-time and get back into the swing of it. And now is always a grind. Every year, you and I have been doing this job for a long time. This time of year has always been a grind. Everyone always says this time of year is like, oh, I'm so tired now. Everyone has been saying that. And I'm not discounting what people are saying with COVID and all that. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that um the reality is that we need to get into these positive routines we need to keep pushing forward we need to find that momentum because that positive momentum is what makes us feel better in our job so I think kids are turning the behavior the corner with behaviors you know I think there are is a reality though that we have some kids that still struggle and that are still need help and that we need to be very strategic and we need to be very patient and we need to be very um uh, show so and how we yes we all want grace in our lives so we need to extend that grace to our students and our families when they go through these things, and that's not to say that we should let them do whatever they want, because that is not true whatsoever. But how we react to these problems matters just as much as the problem itself. So being, you know, not letting a few kids that we have make it a big ruck is upset the whole apple cart. We can't allow that to happen as leaders. You know, we have to make sure that we keep things in perspective, that we support those things fully, and that we're patient as they grow forward. So a couple of points, Andy. I'm seeing um, that our kids are really
0: starting to fall back in tune, especially in the classroom. Classrooms are calm. Uh, people are focused. It's that transition time. It's that movement between things that we got to really double down on, especially as the holidays come. I know that we're ready for holidays. You know, the joke is no school November, right? I, I know we all look forward to the holidays, Thanksgiving, all that good stuff. But I think we have to also double down on our expectations that we don't get loose, right? That we stay we stay tight with a high expectation of how or what we do when we know kids are going to uh, fall up and trip up. Like I know for me in my building that during transitions, that's a really tough time for them. And so we double down on that to help them be successful, that we're the model, that we're there to support and lift up. I see you trying to
1: jump in here, Andy. Yeah, so you just inspired me to think about something right there is when transitions, you get tight. And in instruction, you get loose. And what I mean by that is in instruction, not that your instruction is loose, but you have to have kids talking and playing and moving and doing things, uh, engaged and and working through problems and having more open-ended discussions. That needs to be a little bit looser in instruction because otherwise if they're just sitting at their desk, not talking, just just sitting there like robots, then of course, when you have a transition, you know what the first thing they're gonna do? They're gonna talk and, and get in trouble Run. and do all these crazy things because they have so much pent up energy that you're asking for trouble if you keep your classrooms super tight. Well then of course they're gonna have problems with transitions. So to me, it's almost like a backwards thing that you need to think about. Get tight with those transitional time and get a little bit looser with how we do things in the classroom to really sort of, it's like a pressure release valve. If you If you keep that pressure on too tight, it's gonna pop, it's gonna burst at some point, you know, whether you like it or not. All right, here we go. Topic four, last main topic. This is again, pre segue into the last one. All students deserve time to play every single day. So, you know, right now school uh, has continued to be more heavily academically focused than ever. We keep trying to talk about SEL, social emotional learning, and all those different things we wanna incorporate in. Yet, like we talked about earlier on the show, there's very clear academic focused goals right in front of us. So I'm gonna throw it right to you right away, ma'am. Uh, What do you think? All students deserve daily time to play. Myth or reality? Big time reality, brother. Big time. I am doubling down, tripling down on this
0: one. This one is a passion project of mine, man. King of the double recess as a teacher back in the day when I was teaching, I'd be sneaking them out all the time for the double recesses. And then when I became a principal, I was just able to make it official. And that's what I did. Play enhances instructional practices. Play creates time in your classroom. Play creates positive vibes. Play creates great relationships. It teaches opportunities for learning, social learning, emotional learning, opportunities to breathe, to run, to mask down, to have a great time. Look, I doubled down this year. For the first time this year, we created a, what we're calling a buzz break at my school. And we even brought it to the secondary setting. So all of our students right now, they're getting a 25, 30 minute Break, movement break, an opportunity to have uninhibited play, uninhibited social action, an opportunity to reconnect with their peers, reconnect with their teachers. I got teachers doing kickball. I got teachers playing frisbee. We're doing walking. We're counting our steps. We're getting healthy. We're getting back. And it's all going back to helping improve everything that we talked about across the board today from our instruction, from our act. Academics and our results. I'm going to tell you every time I've doubled down on making sure that play is a focus, I've won every single time. And and it's not me winning. That's not about me winning. It's about my kids winning. And you know what? We're winning with time on task. We're winning with behavior. We're winning with social uh, uh, socialization. We're just winning across the board. Straight up reality. If you can create time for kids to play, whether it be in a sometimes it's like the play break in the middle of a corridor with. They do their math. You can make it academic as well, Andy.
1: Well, I'm going I'm to push back a little bit just on the very last thing you say because I completely agree with you. Uh, and and to shout out to you because you're you're what you're saying you've done you've done. And at the middle school level, you're also incorporating recess and things like that. And I 100% agree with you at all ages. Kids and adults both need time to play. Think about ever being in a meeting, right? We've all been in that meeting. We're in the meeting the whole time. We have things grinding on us, grinding. You know their favorite part about the meeting is when they actually stop talking and you can talk to those people next to you. Or when you have a break to go to the bathroom. That's your favorite part of the meeting because you're being more social, you're having more fun, you're engaging with those around you. And now, does that mean that you're not talking and learning at that time? I'll tell you what, I've had some of the most engaged, academically focused and content-driven discussions I've ever had during the break right? And I think our kids are the same way. And now I'm not saying they're all going to talk about academics during recess, right? (laughs) But, but I'm real. But at the end of the day, they need that social learning. And there's a huge component to learning that is social. We look at the world around us, we decide how to act based on how people are reacting to what we do. This interaction back and forth helps us learn about interpersonal skills. And you can't, teach and practice social skills without time to practice social skills if you have never have time to have be social then you can't practice social skills so Creating a, a schedule change is often what's needed in this. And frankly, we need to give permission for people to do this because the reality is people feel so academically focused and they feel so driven that they don't feel like they're allowed to incorporate play. Like they're like, they're worried if their principal walks in the room and there's playtime going on that they're going to get in trouble. And that's a problem in education. I mean, just one generation ago, we were talking about nap time and we were talking about half day in for kindergarten. Now we're full day. We have no play, all these things. So we need to give them permission to do what we know is right for kids kids because they truly want to do it but they need to feel like they're allowed to do it
0: hey i'm all for some nap time how do i create a little nap time in my schedule but yeah man all right buzzer hit we're out
1: that's it nap time
0: (laughs) all right you know we're coming up on the fun bit here we go we're down to the end we're going to close out here with our quick hits all right andy i got the first quick uh hit uh reality rip ripped jeans are the new norm I'm going with straight up reality. First of all, I see my kids rocking the ripped jeans. And uh, I don't know that I can necessarily pull it off, but it's funny how the rips just get bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, uh, I even seen our shout out to our own superintendent who rocked up to a football game and some ripped jeans. So that straight up right there makes it a straight up reality.
1: She's the bomb. McDade, shout out to you for the ripped jeans. So I agree, ripped jeans are new norm, reality. They've been popular for a very long time, you know. You can't have a social norm that we only put on kids that we don't do for adults, right? The style of ripped jeans isn't the problem. So be clear with kids. If it's about the style, that's stupid. If it's about the fact that you can't expose certain body parts, that makes more sense. So be logical in your responses with clothing and attire all right next one party up. foul no party foul you got a little loose there on the quick hits buddy this is meant to be fun but you dropped a good point yeah yeah no doubt all right here's a fun one robert pattinson is coming out with the new batman and it's the big you know buzz that's going on because he put his voice to batman on batman this looks darker it looks grittier does darker mean better what do you think robert pattinson's batman will be darker and better than the last one um batman ah uh,
0: reality straight up reality I'm a big Batman fan, love Batman, but I'm the Batman, the dark Batman.
1: Darker, grittier, the better for me. Oh, I'm going a different direction. I don't even care about Robert Pattinson coming out. I know Michael Keaton is gonna be in a Spider-Man, whatever, Flash movie or something going on. I wanna see old school Michael Keaton Batman because that's how we grew up. More power to that one.
0: Hey, that's it for another week. As always, we appreciate your feedback. We appreciate your comments. Thanks for the shares. As always, fam, have a great week. We appreciate you. Much love
1: always. Yeah, make sure that you make your reality the best that you could possibly do for your kids and your school. Have a great week.